0: What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Christian Hansen Show. I'm Christian Hansen, and this is my podcast. Today's guest is Mike Marino, affectionately known to millions of his fans worldwide as New Jersey's bad boy. He's one of the most loved comedians of our time. He's performed in every major comedy club, theater, casino, and event center from New York to Los Angeles and around the world. Mike has also shared the stage with some of the biggest names in the business, like Jay Leno from The Tonight Show. And he's done that over a hundred times. Mike was on the show today, and it was great. Uh, Around an hour-long conversation. Talked about his love for baseball, his battle with COVID. Yeah, he came down with that horrible virus in the summer. He lost his smell, his taste. I couldn't even imagine losing that. But he lived through it, and he's here to talk about it. Obviously, we touched on his comedy and acting, and so be it. So it was a great conversation. I can't thank him enough for giving me the opportunity to talk to him. If you guys don't remember, he was actually supposed to be on the show last April, but I bombed that interview. It was horrible, and I reached out to him about a week and change ago, and he said, sure, let's do it again, and it was amazing this time around. So thank you, Mike. Thank you to anyone who's ever listened to the show. Here's my interview with Mike Marino, comedian, actor, all-around entertainer, Mike Marino. Alrighty, Mike. Well, if you guys don't remember um, listening to this when this comes out, Mike was post his episode was supposed to come out last April already. Um, but there were some issues with the uh, audio and things like that. Uh, but we've recircled. And now here we are again with Mike Marino, uh, former presidential candidate. It's kind of a joke. You'll find out more about this uh, in the interview as it goes along. But uh, first and foremost, how you feeling?
1: Hey, I'm doing all right, man. Thanks for asking.
0: Yeah, I know. You actually, fortunately, you got caught down with, with the virus and stuff like that. Um, were you symptomatic, asymptomatic? How'd that all go down for you? Was it scary?
1: Yeah, it was pretty scary. What happened was I started to get sick, like as if I was having a cold. Right. And my temperature went up to 101 and 102, oh, wow. and then I lost my taste. That's what scared the shit out of me. because really? I, I was. T- I would taste all these things that had um, like spicy or peanut butter. Peanut butter was my trigger. So if I had peanut butter or Reese's peanut Mm -hmm. butter cup and I couldn't taste it, that said, okay, something's wrong. So I went to the emergency room. And when I went to the emergency room, uh, luckily I didn't have it as bad as some people who get put on those ventilators. So they didn't do any of that to me. It just took my heart, uh, blood, and all of that After a couple hours, they sent me home and said, treat this like you would treat the flu. Mm. So I quarantined for two weeks. I filled my house with food. But I coughed my brains out every day for two weeks, just like the most incredible coughs. Two weeks later, I started to feel okay, and I could taste that peanut butter. And I'm like, I did it.
0: Yeah, I can mean, not even imagine that. I mean, the crazy thing is, too, is, I mean, you're always wearing a mask. You're always from, I mean, social media, I follow you all the time. You're not You're not screwing around and just, you know, taking it lightly. So that's the scary part, too, is even if you are following the rules, shit's still going to creep up on you. So it's like, I mean, that was case in point right there. I was like, oh, no, like I, I didn't go out for at least four or five days after I found out about that. I go, oh, my gosh, here's someone who's. You know, not being a jackass and saying, oh, my rights, my rights, and all that BS. He's doing what you're supposed to do, and it's still stuck up on him. But, uh, well, yeah. glad you're feeling better.
1: Yeah. I feel like I'm 100%, wow. and uh, now I'm hoping that we could all get back to right uh, doing some performing because, you know, we're still shut down, that's mm-hmm. for
0: sure. Yeah. And I the last time we talked, performing again wasn't even a thing. But you actually did. You, you did do a couple things. I think it was down in, what, Florida? You had a couple gigs out there? Florida. How interesting Heart was that? A little different this time around, huh?
1: Yeah, because you get new material. Yeah. Not too much about the pandemic, but just about, you know, eating too much, gaining weight. Yeah. And uh, wondering what the heck is the future is going to hold. Being a single guy during a pandemic is not that much fun.
0: No, it's kind of hard. You
1: have A girl's got to have a blood test before you go out <laughs> to dinner. And it's not even for a venereal disease anymore. It's for, it's for a COVID. It's <laughs> just
0: for a normal date.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. So, uh oh, yeah. but it was great to be on stage and I've been on many stages since then mm-hmm. with the social distancing right. and that's what stinks because instead of having 1500 people you have 100 people and um I mean yeah. And no cruise ships. There's no chances of going out oh, on god, no. ship. Oh uh, god
0: no. That you it's funny you brought that up. I saw a commercial yesterday for that I'm like no, like they're doing deals and packages for cruises. I'm like I don't think that's going to happen for I mean I, I don't think a lot of people are going to be going on those anytime soon. I'd go. Well, I mean, right. yeah, I think we'd all go, but I think it's, like, too soon, you know? I, I trust me, I want to get myself. the hell out of here. <laughs> I want to get the hell out of here so bad, but it's like, come on, you know? Just, where exactly are you? Right now, so I am at home in my room. That's where I am. I got all my, all my stuff on the wall, all my posters from working at the Arcada, including yours. Um... I got. It's just I'm in my my little my little cave. I call it my little cave. It's my it's my it's my little home spot for you. Where are you? You're not in LA this time around, right? You're on the East Coast.
1: This is my house in New Jersey. Yeah. This is my office. The studio's downstairs. So just like you, I collect baseball
0: bats oh, for I'm a different nerd. reasons. I'm a nerd. I'm an absolute oh, I nerd.
1: collect everything. I got yeah. a collection of stuff from back in the day, from my GI Joe dolls to. That's awesome. uh, casinos that are no longer existing mm-hmm. i actually just came yeah, put my hands on this one i'll show it to you because you're in chicago right yes yeah. okay now a big movie star came out of chicago his name is joe montagna joe
0: montagna yeah yeah yeah. big joe cubs I fan
1: friends and he gave me this coin i don't know if you could see it it's a it says, star joe Mant- yeah
0: that's awesome it's a
1: star from the hollywood boulevard yeah. and uh there's joe
0: It's <laughs> funny yeah. Yeah. yeah i see that it's a weird caricature of him.
1: Yeah, he gave me the... Well, that's Joey Zaza from The Godfather ah, 3.
0: Ah, okay, okay. That's awesome.
1: They gave me the coin, and I keep it for good luck. Yeah. I'm going to send him an email today and tell him that uh, I'm on your show.
0: Yeah, that's funny. You know what? He uh, He's a big baseball buff, too. He loves the Cubs. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he's big with baseball and stuff. I mean, since you kind of brought that up, I'll touch on that before I uh, dive deep into some of the stuff that I wanted to talk about. Um, right out of the gates, you made note of the the bats on the wall. Being from Jersey, being from that part of the country, growing up, Yankees or Mets or Red Sox, who was your team?
1: Oh, Yankees.
0: Yankees. Was it was it and pretty Mets. pretty uniform in the household? Was it Yankees across the board?
1: Yeah. You know, I'm from New Jersey. We're not that far from the football field. We're not sure. that far from the baseball field. You got to go for the home team. Yeah. Um, if you were to say Jets or Giants, I'd say Giants. If mm. you were to say Yankees or Mets, we'd say Yankees, but then Yankees of course is, uh, I don't know. Mets is almost makes you feel like you're more of a New Yorker Yeah. to me. Mm. No. I, don't, I don't really know why, but, um, that's not even the reason why I have baseball bats. My first album was called Vinnie Get the Bat, and people would give me baseball bats. So, in every corner of this house, there's a baseball bat.
0: Oh, that's hilarious. Um,
1: some from the Louisville Slugger Company, and some from my childhood. I have my high school baseball bats, my junior oh, wow. high baseball bats, and the baseball bat your father gave you when he said, How did you have your driver's license? Put the baseball bat in the front <laughs> seat.
0: Yeah, self defense. Yeah, that's funny. Protection. There you go. That's great. No, yeah. I mean, bats for me. I love. I love collecting those. But a lot of gameys, baseball, signed baseballs. I mean, and no matter how old I get, nothing will ever stop me from being that kid. Three hours before game time, waiting outside Wrigley Field, or four hours before game time, waiting for that bus to roll off, hoping to get one person to stop and get a signature. I mean, that stuff will always live inside of me. And I think it's important to have stuff like that because once you let that go, it's like. What do you have? Like, what do you have that makes you happy, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's really funny. Uh, One of the only times I've been to Wrigley Field was when they had the Chicago Comedy Festival. And a bunch of the comedians went to go watch a game. Mm -hmm. And it was really cool to sit in the stands because the stands were so close to the buildings where people lived. Right, yeah. It was so close. I'm like, these people hear this roar of the crowd right in their backyard, but they didn't have to buy tickets. Mm -hmm. They're like watching the game from their own balcony and a barbecue. And uh, I was with at that time Gabriel Iglesias before he became fluffy and, (laughs) and a bunch of guys who nobody even knew yet.
0: That's awesome. That's a long
1: time ago, man. That's got to like be 15, 16 years ago.
0: Yeah, and some of being from the East Coast, like Jersey, the I think the best way to put it would be almost like where the World Trade Center was and Ten House, the firehouse. That's how close it is. You had the firehouse on Waveland by Wrigley, and then 10 feet in front of the firehouse, Wrigley Field. I mean, everything is just right there. Um, yeah, it's great. Now I do have to ask when you started doing, uh, the, the shows again, that was post COVID, right? Right after you had the virus, you started to go out and do shows again, or was that before you got it? Before. Before. Okay. What was the dynamic like down there though? Was there still a, a sense of angst? After three months
1: of no shows, my first show back was in Florida and instead of having 300 people, they only had 100 Yeah. But I was so happy just to be on stage that I couldn't stop laughing at my own jokes. And then I did another show here in New Jersey. And I think that's where I got the COVID because Mm. it was about 500 people and it was outdoors. And they figured, well, we're outdoors so everybody could just do what they want. So people would shake my hand and ask for an autograph. And we were hugging each other without any masks on. And I think that's what what happened.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I had another show that I was going to do in Utah. And I didn't go because I didn't feel right. Oh that's no!
0: When, uh, and that's when everything kind of hit the fan. Well, you know what? You touched on a great point there. It's so hard, especially being from an Italian family like yourself, and me working for uh, an Italian guy like Mister Onesti. It's almost second nature, just talking to people. Hey, how's you going for the hug right away? You're going yeah. for the. I mean, and to be like, oh, like it's like it's hard to do that. Like I went uh, during the summer. I went to go to the Arcata to do a walkthrough to see where the renovations are because we're doing a whole bunch of stuff over there. And that was the first thing he went in for and I went in for. And then he goes, Oh, we can't do this. I'm like, Oh, like it was such a strange thing being, you know, heavily, uh, you know, from an Italian family yourself, that's probably the hardest part.
1: Well, my father lives down the block and every time we see each other, it's the first thing we go to do, but we don't. In fact, my father's 84 mm-hmm. and yesterday he got a shot.
0: I saw that. <laughs> My and dad I,
1: went to get his shot. Uh, so I got to call him today, see how he's doing.
0: But, yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I saw that on uh, on Instagram. Instagram. Because you brought your father up. I have to ask, you guys have, um, it seems like a very, very, very good relationship, um, you and your dad. What was so instrumental about his impact and his um, personality and fatherhood that made you who you are today?
1: Well, my parents along with your mother, not, obviously. Yeah. My mom and my dad are not showbiz parents, so they're not in the business. Mm-hmm. So when I was cutting my teeth as a teenager, sure. I couldn't really rely on them to ask them about how do I do this?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can ask them how to make sauce and you can ask them how to do construction, but asking them how to do stand up is not going to happen. Right. But basically start by making fun of them. You're not really making fun of them. You are kind of playing homage to them. Right. This is the way they say, this is the way they talk like Uncle Louie. The like Uncle Louie. Yeah. Uncle Tommy. My real mm-hmm. Uncle Tommy. That's how I started. I used to imitate just my uncle. That's uh-huh. all I ever said was, my uncle, my uncle, my uncle. Um. Uh, so anyway, and my parents, of course. Right. And that's the way it develops. So to this day, yeah, you know, I treat my father the best I know how as a as a good son. Mm-hmm. I call him all the time. I mean, quite honestly, parents are so old school that they didn't change, so they become your children. Right. My father's like my kid. I used to do it in a routine. I'm like, you can't eat that. You'll have to go right to bed.
0: <laughs> Funny.
1: Which is what they say to you when you were a kid.
0: Yeah. No, that's hilarious. You mentioned the construction business. Um, you guys had a family construction business growing up, too. Still. So you, still you still have that, so... Family, everyone hands on in there. At what point did you kind of be like, you know what? Yeah, this is great, but I really wanna, I want, I really wanna be an actor. What was the point for you where you made that decision, and how was that received? Given the fact that your parents, I mean, the hardworking parents, they're always out there, day after day, doing the grind. How was, how was that received when you told them that?
1: Well, I have two brothers. One's older, one's younger. And they both worked in construction with my father's Mm -hmm. company. So when I would show up for work, I was almost like an employee. I was never part of that team. So even in high school and in college, I showed up when I needed to show up. But if I didn't want to, I didn't. And they were never really mad at me. They were encouraging it wasn't until I really moved to Los Angeles yeah. that's when they were like, wow, he's really oh, going He's doing this. it.
0: This is actually uh, yeah, happening. He's going to disappear. Yeah. Did you really think you'd, uh, you'd make that move? What was the hardest part coming from a heavily, uh, you know, a huge family type of dynamic over in Jersey to LA? Was that a hard move for you?
1: Yeah, it's a real mind blower, boy, because you you, go, you leave and everything you've ever known. Ugh, yeah. And you're going into a strange land. And um, Hollywood's tough. Yeah. You know, the song that Sinatra sings, New York, New York, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. No, No. it's Los Angeles. If you can make it in Los Angeles, you can make it anywhere because everybody out there is nuts. They're from different parts of the world, and everybody wants to be a star. The Uber driver, the cab driver, everybody got a script. The guy who works the 7-Eleven, the guy who owns the 7-Eleven, the guy who is homeless. Everybody wants to be a movie star. Pretty tough.
0: Yeah. Now you moved out there for that perspective possibility of acting and comedy filed suit shortly thereafter, correct?
1: Yeah, I didn't go to California to be a, a stand up. I went right. out there because I thought I was going to be, in, you know, work just in movies. Mm-hmm. And I was, but not as much as I could as a stand up sure. because comedians have um more avenues to go than film. Right. You have to wait. You have to audition. You know, maybe you'll get some. I have an audition this coming Monday for one line in a TV show. One line. One line. As a Southerner, I mean, come on. How
0: the hell are you going to pull that off?
1: I could pull it off. I could do many different accents. The only reason why I got the audition is because they're going to film in New Jersey, and I happen to be here.
0: Wow, that's crazy. So you
1: know, I got it down. I know exactly how to do my lines. Yeah, there,
0: (laughs) there you go. You kind of just did it. Right then and there, you switched up on me. That's awesome. You know, the yeah. funny thing is um, you mentioned how you always would just focus on your Uncle your uncle Tommy. Um, I think it's the truth. Like I like I said, Uncle Louie, The Variety Show, and they do that. They're doing the same thing as you kind of are. But as an Italian, you, ha- I mean, there's, there's your content right there. You have your own stand-up solved because you have yeah. those family dynamics and family roles. Talk a little bit about the other... Um, you know, personas that that you put out, uh, the cousin Michelle and cousin Mooney (laughs) and how those kind of evolved over the years.
1: You know, I have a producer that I work with. Her name is Tatiana Blushel. Mm -hmm. She produces my web series. She produces the uh, live from my mother's basement. She produces a lot of stuff that we do. Right. So her and her husband, Cody, who've been watching me for many years, they saw that I had the ability to change my voice. Like yeah. I just did with the Southern uh-huh. while I was on stage and I did the stone guy Mooney on stage. And favorite. I did the girl on stage. I did uncle Tommy on stage. I just never took it to the extreme. Yeah. So we went out and bought some wigs and I made up a bunch of routines and now the audience goes nuts. Now yeah. I haven't really done it live that much. Like if I came to uh honesty's place it would probably fall on the floor if i threw that wig on and said hey
0: yeah it'd be <laughs> well, a little different i have the
1: ability to do it and now i'm kind of having fun with it it's great in fact somebody wrote to me and said um would you consider doing a movie as michelle oh geez <laughs> that's
0: that's 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 kind of long though i mean is that something that you think would even be possible to do something that long Oh, yeah. Really? You could you could play in that role that long without without getting to a certain point where you just movie, fall yeah, apart and laugh. It,
1: yeah. Well, it's going to be funny. Yeah, right. I got right. cast in a movie. We're supposed to start shooting in April. Yeah. And it's uh, they're going to bring back the roller derby. And they <laughs> want me to be the guy who owns the roller derby team. And the team is a bunch of girls. Yeah. And the girls roll around. You know, if you remember roller derby and they – bump into each other, they Mm -hmm. fight each other, like WWE, right? right? So then the guy saw me do Michelle and goes, you know, you could play you as the guy who owns the team, but what if Michelle was on the team? I'm like, let's do this.
0: Oh, so that's interesting. So you'd be, you'd have two different personas. Wow. The makeup has to be good in that one, because... You, you if if people who are good at watching movies could see they'd snuff that out real quick wait what the, that's the owner and that's then that's michelle yeah. that that's hilarious yeah. though now we're uh, some
1: people write to michelle uh, yeah. and say you know who are you what's your name <laughs> and i'm like it's me you dummy
0: <laughs> uh, it's me that's great and, you know i uh i like your podcast a lot i like what you do there as a comedian reaching out and interacting with, with the fans like you do on that show, what is the most important part about doing that for you? Because you're always, I mean, you are, you're like Gary Vee in the sense that you're just a hog on social media. What is the most important thing about interacting with, with that community day in and day out like you, like you do?
1: Well, you know, I try to stay on it. Yeah. I'm trying to stay in the game with all the new podcasts out there and the people out there, but um, I'm just me. Yeah. I don't really lie. I don't uh, go out of my way to talk about politics. I don't, uh, I try not to offend anybody. I know what I like. It's hard nowadays. (laughs) It really isn't because if you just keep it about your own life, sure. Yeah. How can anybody be offended? Yeah. I mean, I had so many people say to me one time, Don't you think the Italian community might be a little offended by what you say? And I says, well, I could change my wording very easily. I could just say, instead of saying an Italian family, I could say my family. Mm -hmm. Well, you're going to be offended now? How could you be offended by what belongs to me? This is my family. Mm -hmm. So most people say, well, yeah, I guess you're right. Who said anything about anybody else but me? Can't be offended by me.
0: Uh, by my, my life. Hmm. No, I got you on that. Now, when you're out in LA after the whole acting thing starts, you actually started as a sketch writer. I, I believe it was for Leno. Performer. Performer. Yeah. From what I understand too, is there was uh you thought you were auditioning as a, you know, on-air talent or stand up, but you were actually auditioning as a, you know, sketch writer and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I'll show you. Yeah oh he's got something here. What do we see?
1: I auditioned for The Tonight Show yes. to do stand-up. Correct. But the guy I auditioned for cast sketch comedy. But he said, you're such a great actor. You're so funny. Why don't you just come on the show? Right. You do some sketches, and maybe they'll let you do stand-up. Right. So I said, all right. So I go on the show. Before you know it, I was on the show so many times. These are from my dressing room.
0: No way. Hold that closer. These Let are, me see these.
1: These are the Tonight Show dressing room. Look at that,
0: room. guys. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So I used to collect them year after year after year. <laughs> what is my room? Twenty-one oh six. Um, So I made them coasters for drinks at the bar oh my downstairs. Oh, gosh.
0: That's great.
1: See, they used my full name, Michael Marino. Yes. It never says Mike Marino. And um, so, I got hundreds of them.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. How instrumental and, you know, what's was? What's really
1: funny is I ended up doing my first stand-up routine on the Martin Short show. Oh, okay. And they give you a robe. I have it downstairs. <laughs> the white robe. I don't know what it was for, but so I went back to the Tonight Show to do a sketch, and the stage manager was there, and she goes, "Hey, I saw you on Martin Short Friday night." And I said, yeah. And she goes, well, why don't you do Stand Up With Us? And I'm like, I've been here for three years.
0: Nobody now me now you're asking stop. me?
1: Yeah. But <laughs> that's real shit.
0: That's <laughs> awesome. That's incredible. How instrumental was uh, was that experience? And how important was Jay to you and your career?
1: Jay was actually always very, very nice to me. Mm-hmm. And the casting director told me Jay would actually say, oh, I read the script for the sketch. Is Mike coming? Oh, wow. Or why don't you call Mike? Or Mike would be really good for this one. Mm-hmm. So I started to get requested by him.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy.
1: And uh, there was this one guy who did so many when I think about it. There was this one we did, though, and uh, I did an improv on the show. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Jay was expecting it. So when you go live... It's do or die.
0: Right. Yeah. He, that's he, it. He you can't, can't take that. You can't edit it.
1: So, uh, I did this whole big thing and he started cracking up and I could see that he was laughing. And when the bit was over and he goes, we'll be right back after this commercial break. How about that? Mike Marino folks. And I was like, wow,
0: thank you. Hey, yeah. That's great. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, was that your first, you know, big spot comedy shot for you i mean i know you started at uh when you were what early 20s around there that's yeah. when you started to do it little little places but was that your first large-scale exposure as which you would call obviously then comedian I, it's kind of weird the reason i say it that way is because some people don't like to be called if it's weird i talk to a comedian some people don't like to be called comedian some people don't like some people don't like to be called certain things so the reason I preface it that way is do you think that was the first large-scale exposure for you as someone trying to be – or trying to get into the stand-up yeah, comedy Yeah, because, world? I mean,
1: it, it, technically it is The Tonight Show. Yeah. And that's before social media.
0: Millions and millions of people.
1: Yeah. And, when, when, you know, you're not talking about YouTube. You're right. not talking about Instagram. You're talking about The Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. And just to get on the show – and plus I met every celebrity you can think of because there you are exactly. in the green room waiting to go on stage. Mm-hmm. So – I always say the word entertainer. I'm That's an entertainer. exactly what I. Yep, I can act. I could dance. Perfect. Yep. I can't sing. I play instruments. I could do stand up. I could do sketch comedy. So what am I? I'm an entertainer. There you go. Uh, I could be a comedian. I am a
0: comedian. Right.
1: I could do stand up. But I'm and also this comedy. and that. Yeah. So what? Whatever. You got to put it all together.
0: Absolutely. Now the comedy store. When, when was your first time you cut your teeth over there? How intimidating was that experience?
1: Um, it was very intimidating <laughs> because I got passed by the owner, Mitzi Shore, back in the day when she was alive and the comedy store was a little bit different. Sure. Um, But then again, it's like a college and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comedians going right. through. It. In fact, I got memorabilia from the comedy store. I got hats and matches awesome. and buttons. They used to have a yearbook. But I, uh, I was, I'm pretty sure it was 95, 1995, oh, wow. and uh, what a legacy,
0: yeah.
1: especially the, especially then. Hopefully, this COVID will be over and that place will open up again because this is horrible.
0: Yeah, it is horrible. They just lost someone too. They just lost, I think, the organist. Do you know that? Yeah, I do know that. I, uh, I was came on my timeline the other day from Jeff Garland and Dean Del Rey. He he talked about that, but uh do you do you have any fond memories of did you get did you have a relationship with him or did you have any interactions yeah. over the years with him? Yeah. How special yeah, was Scott. he? Yeah. Obviously I've never met him, I've never seen him, but now that I have you here and someone who's you know worked with him or talked with him, what was so special about him?
1: So it's a really, really sad thing because Absolutely. for the past six months, for some reason or other, mm-hmm. he and I were writing to each oh. other on me you're good wow two sneezes I didn't and even didn't hear come out. <laughs> it didn't come out it's cold here in New Jersey yeah um he and I were writing to you would get to each other because he was the historian mm-hmm. and he had memorabilia but I had memorabilia ah. that he had never seen so I was sending him pictures mm. some of the memorabilia is the paper lineup that they write for you on the back porch before you go on stage to tell you who's performing that night. So I have, and I'm going to be writing a book about my life. I have the schedules from 95, 96, 97. And I was sending them to him to say, Hey, there's your name down the bottom. But there was also names like me, Andrew Dice Clay, uh, Joe Rogan, Joe Diaz. This is way before Dean Del Rey and all those guys actually went to the comedy store. I believe Dean, who's a friend of mine, came from music. Mm -hmm. He was a rock and roller. Yeah, he
0: was uh, ACDC tribute bands and rock bands, stuff like that.
1: Yes. He's got an unbelievable voice, and he's a really, really great guy. Um, But, I mean, lineups of guys that aren't even alive anymore. And I was sending it to Jeff, and he was writing me back. Oh, where'd you get that? I can't believe you have that. We had a show called Night of a Thousand Guidos. and." (laughs) And it was in the big room and just an amazing – I mean, I have all of it. It's in the other room. I'm, like I said, I'm going to do a little documentary. I do have um,
0: – That's awesome.
1: Comedy store memorabilia, like matches.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Because I'm a collector. I like doing it.
0: Oh, yeah. I save stuff that I probably doesn't need to be saved, but I save it. Like I have a closet filled with newspapers from all the sports championships and stuff. Oh, wow, look at that. 1995
1: that's Look when you bottom. got them. that's how old this is oh my gosh they cool
0: that's pretty awesome it's laugh Factory. there you go that's another thing you, you've done a lot of work over over there um i mean a lot of the youtube content that i've been looking at and stuff i mean you have that illustrious backdrop of the the laugh factory what are those moments like because I've, I've never been to either the comedy cl- the store the Laugh Factory. I've never been to any one of those other than Zanies, obviously, because I really started to get into um, comedy specials and comedy heavily during the pandemic. I've always watched comedies, but I've been really immersing myself into it now because what else am I gonna do? You know, I can't, I can't go anywhere really. So, um, what was, what are those experiences like being in a position like that where they're filming? Like you have you know professional recordings of your your stand up are those different is are those experiences different than that of just your normal live gig or live show on a tour and how do you prepare differently for those
1: well when i was doing everything i was doing as a comedian at the comedy store
0: mm-hmm.
1: nobody was filming any of this stuff oh most of this stuff got filmed when social media came around okay, that's so what happened
0: early 2000s
1: yes and at the comedy store at that time, when I was there with my crew of guys,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it looked like the club was going to close because oh, it wasn't jumping off anymore. Right. So I went over to the Laugh Factory. At that time, you had to be part of one of the clubs, either Improv, Laugh Factory, or Comedy Store. It was very difficult to be part of all three without mm-hmm. somebody getting angry with you. So when I went over to the Laugh Factory, I had it better in my life. And I started working with the owner as a manager, and I was always getting Thursday, Friday, Saturday spots. Mm-hmm. When they opened up another club in, in Long Beach, in Vegas, San Diego, Reno, mm-hmm. I got to be part of all of that. Oh, wow. So the cameras are in the ceiling. So some nights when you're performing, you don't even know that they're filming. And when they have the clips and the clips are really good, they put it on their YouTube channel. You get fans like crazy. Yeah. So I think it was about a week ago. They took another one of my clips about me talking about being in Walmart. (laughs) I think it got 250,000 views in one day.
0: Yeah. No, it's a funny video. I saw that the other day with the Costco. Yeah. And
1: then the one I was doing about, you know, running for president and stuff like that, which they're putting back on the internet now is, uh, it's hilarious. It is. And when the people are laughing like that, I mean, they this screaming.
0: No, it's hilarious. Which
1: only makes you do better.
0: Yeah, true. No, and I love that bit. That's what I wanted to get on, too, is when did the idea of having that segment or that part of your your stand-up come into the picture, um, the Make American uh, Italian again, when did that kind of start to get incorporated into your your shows? Was it 2015, 2016-ish, right around there?
1: Well, I started talking about being Italian and my Italian family Mm -hmm. and what we're like in the 90s at the comedy store. And I said what my family would do if, what my family would be like
0: if. if.
1: So it was when Saddam Hussein was actually doing crazy stuff that I came up with it. And then of course Osama bin Laden. And right. I think when Osama bin Laden and they had the thing about going to find him
0: mm-hmm.
1: is when I developed two Italians would be back in 24 hours.
0: That blew up for and you. And then didn't
1: they found you? it found 16 million. Yeah. So that turned into more about well, what if I was the president? Right. What if I did it? What if my family, what if I was the first Italian president? So I'd say around two thousand. 10, people started to go, hmm, that's funny. Mm-hmm. But it was 2016
0: yeah.
1: when we started filming the web series because I think that's when Trump started saying, make America uh, yeah. great again. Mm-hmm. So we said, make America Italian again. Right. And I mean, shirts, banners, it's hats, great. tags, it became a, a whole big thing. And now oddly enough you know I'm gonna do it again yeah so
0: I saw the shirts already 2024 2024 yeah. you know it's funny that you that you do that skit too because do you ever have people who ask you and go hey Mike and and all seriousness what would you do or did would you would you exercise a possibility I mean have you ever put into any thought about any serious thought about that it was just always just been just for shits and giggles
1: well, I mean, I don't know how I would ever get into politics. Yeah. I know people go crazy when I say what I say, yeah. because basically sometimes they're like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Even if it's not within the joke of sure. taking people out, mafia stuff. With a bat. Because I did do a speech and I felt like saying, can't we just have a president who knows what it's like to be poor? Because if we did, he might just be like, wow, wait a minute. I get this to do that? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Are you crazy? You all make too much money. Yeah. You can't run the country. Right. You don't know what it's like to not earn a little bit of money Mm -hmm. and struggle. How could you possibly know what's on the minds of the the masses? Right. Nobody lives like this. Mm -hmm. They showed yesterday a documentary on what it's like to live in the White House and they showed the band the military band, and all the entertainment. Mm -hmm. You know how much money they're spending?
0: Oh, it's pathetic. It's our money. A guy like me would
1: go in there and go, ho, 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 man, this ain't necessary. Get a DJ. (laughs) That's
0: good. You know,
1: I don't need that much food. Plus, look, I'm not married and I have no kids. Yeah, so so no first thing. You don't have to worry about that.
0: There you go. You know, that's the one thing that, since you brought that up, kind of on a a lighter note, less serious note, is I... (laughs) Do you think there'd ever be a possibility that you'd have a president who, let's say, isn't married? I mean, that'd be historic in itself. I don't know. I just and then know.
1: if you were the president and you were single, what are you gonna do? You can't get a date. We're gonna go on Facebook.
0: Yeah, we're gonna do. Uh, the president, president want to come States. out with Oh, me. that's a yeah, that's a great pickup line. <laughs> Sounds
1: like a routine waiting to happen. Yeah, right. I came up with a routine last night because somebody asked me, "Why don't I get a dog?" Yeah, during the pandemic. And I says, because I keep thinking I'm going to get ready to go back on tour. Mm -hmm. And then what would I do with the dog? But so many people are getting dogs, right? So I'm thinking, maybe I'll get a service dog. Not that I have any problems, but I'd love to just say, go make me something to eat. (laughs) Could you imagine the dog coming back? I'm like, what kind of cook are you? You suck.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? And then I'll pee on the floor and I'll go ahead and pick that up.
0: Yeah. No, that's funny. I I, I like that. Yeah, that's
1: the that? service dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. He just brought me my breakfast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's funny. Now, when you were uh, when you were younger, you weren't always in the heart of Jersey City, too, right? You you did end up making a move from Jersey City to the suburbs. How monumental of a shift was that for you? Um, being in an area that literally, I mean, your whole family is you. Like you've I've saw in interviews in the past. I mean you can walk out your front door and you have everybody on your mom's side or dad's side figuratively speaking within feet. Was that a, was that a big big move for you guys?
1: Yeah because you know back in that time mm-hmm. the city started to get let's say rough. Better rough, yeah. Crime not like crime today though. Crime like you get mugged and beat up but that's like it. In Chicago. Nobody, got, nobody got killed. So you move out of the the neighborhood, and you move into the suburbs. Now, I'm here in the house I grew up in. This is in Scotch Plains, New Jersey. This Mm -hmm. is the suburbs. But everybody's pretty much nice to each other. There's really not that much crime. You can get in your car and go to a store and leave your car unlocked. You can leave your house unlocked. So it's a lot safer and it's nicer. It's a great place to grow up. Mm-hmm. And they'll take care of crime around here real quick.
0: Well, yeah. And it's just take them with a bat, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know. that's great. Whereas in the
1: city, the city was great. But your neighborhood could be in one block mm-hmm. and you know everybody. And then you're in the building. My grandmother owned the building we grew up in. It was 12 units. Mm-hmm. And everybody in that building was related. Wow. So nobody locked their doors except for the outside door. Now it's a shithole.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Well,
1: after it became like that, then it became, you know, yuppie. The mm-hmm. yuppie thing took over. So right. some of those buildings are worth millions.
0: Wow. well, And that's the thing that happened in Chicago, too, in Wrigleyville. They call it yuppieville now because everyone's mid-20s and suit and ties. I mean, it's just a weird area now. It's not the, – the whole neighborhood has changed but so, well, we
1: say yuppie, but it's not yuppie anymore. Now it's millennial.
0: Millennial, right. They're not too far off from each other.
1: Well, the yuppies were kind of a little bit more intelligent to me. Yeah. I think these millennials make... So uh, I'm definitely things- not a yuppie. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. I don't even know what I am. I think I'm Generation X.
0: Generation X. Who comes up with these, though? Like I don't understand the labeling for these. I don't know. That's crazy. So this is the house. This is the house where you do your, your life from my mother's basement.
1: Yeah. I'm in my office.
0: That's awesome. That's great. I, I love that. Absolutely love that. Um, the naming for that, too, by the way. I know we talked about that earlier. But what was uh, what was so important about the branding and naming of that show for you and doing it in that location very sentimental spot for you. Because I know in, your, in previous interviews, I've heard you say that when you're growing up, you don't get to eat upstairs. You're a kid. You're eating. And this is. I mean, that's your home. That's your life. All those, those walls that encompass that bottom floor is what made you who you are. Was that a huge reason as to why you made that the spot?
1: For some odd reason, everybody in this neighborhood, and there was a lot of Italian people in this neighborhood, mm-hmm. still are. You grew up in the basement, you yeah. played with your toys in the basement and mommy cooked at the stove while she was doing laundry in the basement. And the kitchen upstairs was for, I don't know, when, when nice people came over, the good people, the good China, the good table. So, and we did on some Sundays, and uh, now I'm actually in the same house. So I remodeled That's everything awesome. to look like it did back in the day. But of course, those people are no longer sure. alive. So live from my mother's basement, it just Took off. F- fell off my tongue. It's really what my mother enjoyed the most. So everything is the same, only remodeled. Sure. There is a full service bar down there, which is an antique bar from the 40s. Wow we got all the alcohol down there. There's a sink down there. There's food down there, stove. You could do anything. It's like an apartment.
0: Yeah, that's great.
1: I do use the upstairs kitchen now myself. Uh, In fact, I don't cook downstairs unless it's a holiday.
0: So you're a good person. You've transitioned.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm an older. I'm an adult now. I'm the older guy now.
0: That's awesome.
1: And uh, sure do miss the way it used to be, but um, I'm glad that I have what I have. And now the uh, show's picking up some sponsors. And hopefully when I come to uh, the Arcada, we'll sell tickets a lot faster.
0: Yeah, I think we will next time around. Just not just, I just think in general we will. Because, I mean, there's so many people who are longing just to have that interaction and live, live entertainment feel. And I think you could probably speak to this too. I don't think we really appreciate or understand how much music really means to just, Life in general, because you take music out of the equation, there's no music and you try to get through a whole pandemic with no music. It's not possible or comedy. I think we really underappreciated the gift that music is and the people who create the music over this past year.
1: Yeah, well, there's nothing better than getting together with your friends and family. Right. And go watch a live performance, the thunder of the crowd, mm-hmm. the energy, you know.
0: The whole the memory story. you create. Yeah. yeah, it's priceless. Absolutely priceless. I mean,
1: this is great. We get to do this. Yeah. Thank God. But this would be so much
0: more. In the flesh and human. Yeah. Yeah. No. And you know what? You touched on that, too, because I have a lot of people who said, well, is it a Zoom one? I said, yeah, we're kind of in a pandemic. Well, I don't want. To. I'm like, why is that? Because I've never done many of them in person. Obviously, pre-pandemic, I Every now and then I would do an interview when I worked with USA Basketball, Kevin Durant, DeMar DeRozan, I got to interview them, and that was in the flesh. But there is. There's a different dynamic to an in-the-flesh one because you can – I don't know what it is. It's weird, but you can – there's a different feel to it. So I feel like there's more comfort and there's more – you could pull more out of it as opposed to something over this. Yeah. I mean, would you attest to that too? Because there's a lot of comedians who have tried this live stream stand-up stuff during the pandemic – but it just doesn't work for them.
1: Yeah, no, we feed off the thunder of the crowd. Yeah, correct. You know, a crowd can actually control the set. where a comedian yeah. goes because if I start a subject and I feel like it's not working, I'll go someplace else. Yep. But if I feel like they're going with it, I'll stretch it, mm-hmm. I'll add to it, right. I'll improvise it, you know?
0: Yeah, that's great. Now you touched on a, a something that I found interesting right at the start was a book. You said you were working on writing a book about uh, your life is your life story, your experiences growing up. When did that come to the picture, and what's the timetable on and a publication goes for that?
1: I don't know because what I did was when I first went to California, uh-huh. I was 23 years old, oh, wow. and at that time, no social media right. and no such thing as a cell phone. Mm-hmm. So you had to make a phone call from your house at a thing they called long distance and it was very expensive. So I used to write to my mother all the time. And I would say, hey mom, take a look at this. Mm -hmm. Hey mom, I'm waiting tables. Hey mom, I'm gonna be on the tonight show. Here's what the dressing room door knob looks like. So I would mail it to my mother. I mailed it, mailed it. I mailed her scripts, auditions, um, pictures. the the memorabilia from the comedy store. Here's the lineup. Mom, look, I'm working with this guy. His name is Joe Rogan. And I would send them to my mother. Uh Well, she never threw anything out. So there's like 15 years of letters in this house. So I'm thinking I'm going to just take a picture of every single letter, explain it. And then I'm going to say letters to my mom. And that's the name of the book.
0: Wow. That's great. Like that. When did that idea come to fruition? Was it just a recent? Well, when page? I came home, I found everything. Yeah. Wow. That's and great. And during the
1: pandemic, I'm spending all this time in the house.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great.
1: And I have it, dude. My mother kept everything. That's how everything. my mom is. She
0: keeps everything. I a lot have of things.
1: my my confirmation. I have my baby teeth, my baby hair, little slippers, everything.
0: Was a pretty uh. That's a little different thing to say. Baby teeth.
1: Wow. <laughs> baby teeth. <She> got- <laughs>
0: You keep just yours or all the kids? All of us. Okay, I see. It'd be a little weird if it was just you.
1: No, I got everything. And I um, I framed a lot of stuff. And uh, I actually have my great-grandmother's passport from Italy to the United States.
0: So, like, the, the passport that she used to move to America? Yeah. Oh, that's remarkable.
1: It's really odd. It looks like a driver's license. Really? With an old lady on it.
0: <laughs> that's it? Just a... Uh, old lady photo and driver's
1: license. There was photographs in this house from before my mother was born uh-huh. from her family. And you know when you get those black and white photographs right. and they look like they're really mad at everybody and they take a piece of paper, uh, yeah. they take the newspaper, they put it on their arm and they look at you. Mah.
0: Right, right, right.
1: They're all over this house and everything is written in Italian. Really? <laughs> so I'm calling aunts and uncles. What is this? What is this? What is this?
0: That's funny funny i know it's great yeah i i that that's hilarious i never thought about that maybe there's a reason why i save so much stuff maybe i have a story to tell later on i have no clue
1: you all have a story to tell and i think it's great i mean if i took you around this house you'd be blown away yeah. i'm blown away
0: you're still I blown away believe it's and here. you've lived there forever <laughs> yeah that's great i love yeah. it yeah that's awesome you touched on a point too uh, right before i asked you about the book um you you mentioned Rogan. You actually did. You get to work with him too, Joe Rogan. Just
1: this, just just stand ups at the comedy store. That's it.
0: What was the stand up like early on? Because I there's some comedians who um, said like they you know they had a bad first impression of him, but then as time goes on, you learn to like the people. What was the first experience the Rogan experience like for you? Um, wh- and was his was his comedy and has his comedy evolved over the years? Her, is he still the same person that you remember seeing? Um, just starting out.
1: Well, I was never an extremely close friend of Joe Rogan, okay. but we all saw each other at right. the comedy store back at that time. Mm-hmm. I used to book one nighters. Uh, I never worked with him in that arena, Sure. but when Joe would come to the comedy store, he always was nice to everybody.
0: That's awesome.
1: Um, he was pretty much on that show. Fair fact. something radio now he was on a tv
0: series oh wow okay have a
1: big role but he was on a tv series i forgot what it was called interesting and he did stand up like everybody else he used to do this thing about um animals in the jungle that i always thought was hilarious and uh it was always nice to me hey how you doing you could tell he was a boston guy um
0: thick accent
1: not really, but he, they had the East Coast thing going on. Yeah. Then, of course, he got that show where they people would eat something. Fear Factor. Something. Fear Factor. Yeah. Then he got Fear Factor. And then
0: from there, it was just...
1: Yeah, he started to blow up more and more and more, but it was his podcast that took him where it went. And then, right. of course, I mean, he's a genius yeah. on the uh, mixed martial arts. I mean, he makes the show, as far as I'm concerned, when he's commentating
0: It is kind of funny. <laughs> Yeah, there's a guy out there who does a great job too, Bob Mennery. He does these comedic um, – he does play-by-play where he actually chops up his own commentary after a game. And he – I'll send you a couple of links to him, and it's absolutely hilarious. It's so unfiltered. He's talking shit about players, ma- making fun of them and stuff. But it sounds like he's actually in a broadcast booth. It's absolutely hilarious. But uh, So, Mike, we are getting closer to –
1: I I was in the room when Joe uh, went on stage with uh, Carlos Mencia. Oh, really? Wow. (laughs) Yeah. We were all there. That's great. You know what's really funny? At that time, it made you wonder if this was the right thing.
0: Really? Why so?
1: But now, I've had people take my jokes and do it on the internet. And I feel like going, call Joe Rogan now, because that's bullshit. They should not do that.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, Mike, when you... When you kind of look ahead and where we are right now, what is the plan or goal and schedule and timetable for you and your, your stand up as far as scheduling goes as we hopefully move forward to reopening and getting back to some somewhat of a normalcy for live entertainers like yourself? Has there been any word or is there any timetable at this point for you guys?
1: Nobody knows anything
0: still kind of just day by day. In
1: March, I could tell you I'm going to do a week at the Tropicana in Las Vegas. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going back to the uh, Count Basie Theater March 20 in Red Bank, New Jersey. March 27, I have another show here in New Jersey. The first week of March, I am going to go back to Los Angeles. Wow, okay. What April's going to be like, I have no idea, but everything is at MikeMarino.net. Yep. And, of course, my YouTube channel, Mike Marino Live. And everybody can see me on the air. So let's see what happens.
0: There you go. Well, Mike, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.
1: Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Tell Ron Nesty we got to do a show.
0: I will. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. That was my interview with the great Mike Marino, comedian and actor. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and iHeartRadio. Be sure to visit our website as well, the thechristianhansonshow.com. Links up there to merch and much, much more. Stay safe, be well, and we will see you next time here on The Christian Hansen Show.